For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Brain Dump by The Fail Coach. And we have another very, very interesting interview. My dear friend, Heather, will join us in this interview, in this podcast episode, and we'll talk about so many different things. I can't wait. And so I would love to welcome you, Heather, to the show. Um, and please do us a little bit of a favor and introduce yourself quickly first to the audience, and then we'll pick it up from there. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I love getting to chat with you. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I love the name of your show, The Fail Coach, and that you refer to yourself as that because I can really identify with that. And I think a lot of people can of just, you know, putting something out there, trying it not working and having to scoop up the pieces and try again. And, you know, it sounds fun. It sounds cute, but it's actually really, really difficult to do. Um, I've been in this space for three years. So if you compare that to a human, I'm a toddler in the business world. Um, but I, I left my, uh, my career as a therapist to pursue this online game. I call it a game. I, I was really fascinated by it. I thought the, the level of impact that you could make through the internet and content marketing and uh, the way you could serve people was just so amazing. And I was addicted to figuring out how to make it work. So uh, long story short, I spent about seven years in school to get a degree that's now sitting in my closet uh, while I hammer away at a keyboard endlessly <laughs> and try to build something meaningful online. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just one quick thing. When you call yourself a fail coach, it's like a um, permanent free pass to everything yep. that you fuck up. You know, you go yep. on a stage, yep. you do something stupid, you say, well, you know what, guys, this is only aligned with my brand. And everybody <laughs>, laughs, you break the ice and you know, off you go. So it's like a permanent free ticket. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I, I mean, I never went to university, to college, so I'm a high school dropout, but I know a lot of people, well, most of everybody who I went to high school with, and, and then some, who finished high school, went to university, uh, at least like here in Europe, we call them university. I, I, I think you guys say college, or, mm -hmm. but you have different terms for different types. Well, here in Europe, it's just university. Um, and, and then they, they uh, have a degree now, maybe they even upgraded that with master's or, or, or doctoral degree. They have it somewhere on the wall or even in a box uh, gathering dust and they're doing things that are completely different from what they were studying for. Yes. Um, that's why I, I'm, I'm a big believer that the school system as it is, is quite broken 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, think about sitting here and taking a course on business is one thing, but when you actually start to create a business, it's a whole other thing. And what's happening is we're falling in love learning about things without falling in love with doing things. And we don't really know what we enjoy doing without taking the action, but sitting in a classroom and learning, even though it's such a gift and it's so... Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I went because I had a good time. <laughs> it doesn't apply to, you know, like it didn't prepare me. Like, do you actually enjoy sitting in a room counseling people? Is that something you really like? Or do you just like learning about the human brain and connection and stuff, which is what we were doing in school. We weren't in front of people. We were in front of a book, you know? Okay. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So lots of theory, but then lacking the practical stuff. And yeah. 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 Um, Heather, what do you call yourself? Are you the creator? Are you digital marketer? Are you an entrepreneur? How would you define yourself? Sure. So I identify with the term creator a lot more than anything else, just because um, that's where my mind always goes is ideas. And uh, I like making something from nothing. Um, in practical terms, I am a digital marketer. And I, uh, I like this term that I heard Aubrey Marcus coin the other day, he called it entrepreneur, <laughs> where you you, you know, an entrepreneur, you are scaling something outside of yourself where you're hiring a team to run the business and you can walk away from it um, and sell it. That's not what I'm building right now. I'm very much involved in my business in the day to day. And so his, his idea was an entrepreneur or entrepreneur may have, you know, freelancers working underneath them, but they still need to be there to, to run the business. So that's what my model looks like right now. I help uh, business owners, creatives get their messages out there through digital platforms, which is my game. Uh, but yeah, I'm not building anything outside of myself that I can walk away from right now. So although entrepreneur is an easy term because people can grasp onto that, that's technically not what I am. I would say a very passionate creative in the digital space. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And by the way, you know, uh, the difference between, uh, well, I call them solopreneurs. So when you do most of the yep. stuff yourself, at least the yep. stuff that's generating income and then maybe you outsource little bits and pieces yep. to some freelancers. And then an entrepreneur or a business owner who is on top of the business, but not so much involved in everything in the business, mm -hmm. especially the things that they don't like, um, is really just a mindset thing. You know, it's how you make certain decisions. Uh, right. at, at what point do you outsource something? Because the thing is, um, you know, a lot of people today, they want to be entrepreneurs. They want the freedom. This is like one thing. They all want freedom. But then um, they go and do solopreneur stuff where they want to learn everything. They want to control everything. They yep. want to do everything, yep. which is not really a freedom. I mean, at least not by my definition. No, that's for true. That's very I, true. We end up working more than people with regular jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Um, yep. My definition of freedom is that the ultimate freedom is the freedom of choice, where you have the ability to choose what you want to do. You yep. don't have to do it. And that's a very, very big difference. So I choose to do this podcast. I choose to, you know, jump on calls with clients and so on, because I, I can't imagine a day without that because it would be a very boring day i love being amongst entrepreneurs but then yeah. i i don't like doing i don't know the the, the boring stuff uh and, and that's where i have my team that does that for me um so it's it's but it's really just a mindset thing and um it, it, it's all about 
how you make decisions. Uh, and, and most of the time it boils down to, do I make it easy on the short run, but then hard on the long run, or I take a little bit more time and it's harder right now, but it, it, it enables me that freedom on the long term. Well, what I want to say is um, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jamie J, and I'm sure you know him. I'm, I'm sure you jumped on, on, on an interview with him as well, um, the bottleneck guy. Um, so he says, do everything as if you're doing it for the last time. So document, record, make... Um, um, I don't know, a checklist or something so that somebody else can pick that up and, and do it next time. Right. But Heather, so you are a creative. What are you creating? Yeah, uh, an online platform, pr primarily through podcasting. That's my main jam. That's where all of my extra time, you talk about a choice. <laughs> that's where, um, that's where I choose to spend most of my free time is in the podcasting space. Uh, I, I love the platform. I love being able to converse. And, you know, you talked about earlier studying things and never using it. I think everything kind of circles back around and works together. You know, you may have, have a degree like me in your closet, but I think things still come into play. And you can think creatively of how can I use these skills just maybe in a different way. Uh, so for me, counseling, talking to people all the day long, asking them questions, it fit having a show. So we're getting close to 300 episodes in, and that's my main passion right now is just telling these stories of unconventional leaders. Uh, obviously, my business model is outside of that. I work with um, people who are wanting to create online platforms and share their own stories. So those are two separate ventures that I have, but what I'm passionate about the most, obviously, is the show. Okay. Um, so obviously our listeners, they already know that podcasts exist. Otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this particular interview. Uh, but maybe they are fairly new to the podcasting world. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, um, how it's growing, especially um, in, in, in the last few years and, and uh, maybe share some of your uh, findings throughout this journey. What are some of the things, material, unmaterial, business-wise, unbusiness-wise, that you can say, you know, probably wouldn't come if I wouldn't be the creator of a podcast? Sure. Well, I can credit my entire business to my show because although someone may have not directly found me through the show, um, there is so much work that, in, you know, things that I've built through that, an audience that I've built through that, that gives me a little bit of credibility to help other people do the same with either their shows or other content platforms that they want to build. Um, so again, that, that my whole business is because of the show. Um, as far as the way podcasting has, has grown, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's easy starting a show. It's a lot easier than what people think. It's a lot more difficult to build an audience, which is what we talked a little bit about yesterday on your LinkedIn show. Um, it takes a lot of strategy and intentionality to be able to build. And a lot of times people, I think the statistic is 10 episodes in, get in and say, screw it, this isn't for me because they're not seeing the download numbers. They're wanting to monetize off the bat. And if you're going in with the idea of like, hey, I want to monetize this, you might just might as well put the microphone down right now because just like any other content marketing platform, it takes time to build traction unless you have an existing audience already, which if you do, that's amazing because um, it's going to be a lot easier to um, 
to monetize off the bat. But for most people, um, you are just like with anything else, it takes time to build an audience. Um, I, Heather, I would say, yes. Um, if, if I remember correctly, you started basically from zero. Yes, correct. Um, what was, what was some timeline that you might share with us, you know, to some significant milestones, just so that people can get the idea, you know, oh, if I want to go down this road, I'm looking at investing at least so much of my time and energy and resources before I might see certain milestones happening. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it's been three years, so it's hard for me to remember the first couple, but I would say it would take at least a good six months to start seeing traction. Um, I think with all things content marketing, podcasting, you have to get at something for a little while to actually get data that you can actually rely on. Like, hey, is this not working because I suck at this and I need to change something drastically? Or is this not working just because it's a time issue? And so when I first started, I put um, 100 episodes as my goal, which I don't recommend that. I think 25 to 30 is probably a little bit better because I didn't realize how much work podcasting was when I said 100. Um, but setting a, an achievable goal where you know that you gave something your all before you ditch it or before you pivot. Uh, but I would say for the most part, around six months is a good gauge before you start seeing, seeing results. I think uh, the average podcast downloads right now is I think 125, give or take. Um, so if you're hitting around 125 downloads an episode, you're hitting about what an average podcast is doing. So give yourself a couple of months to get there. I mean, it's not really that hard. Um, if you're not hitting those numbers, you really doing, which might just be a few minor tweaks, like, you know, adjusting your name or the episode titles, uh, doing a better job at marketing. Um, and then if you're doing all of those things, you might just need to look at and say like, hey, is this really a good show? Is pe are people really liking this? Uh, and that's a really hard thing to look at. But hey, this is called the fail coach. So uh, <laughs> failure isn't necessarily a bad thing. Failure is just data. It gives us information, which means that we can pivot and change and adjust accordingly. Absolutely. Now, for somebody who wants to start a podcast, um, you know, of course, you have to do the podcast. You know, either you record your own episode, or you interview somebody. You edit that, you upload it, you make a graphic to be, that goes along. But then there is other work that, and and it's even more that goes into promoting and sharing and so on. So, can you give us like a rough idea of you know what goes? in your system into uh once you're done and, and one episode is published into promoting and sharing and, and making it so that it yeah so that it reaches the public sure well i think um getting being you know very good at which i i, I really want to acknowledge you you are fantastic at communication with your guests i mean you're next level with communicating uh, the system that you have the people on your team with uh, reminders and follow-ups and all of that is so important, but that's not really common practice with a lot of show hosts. Uh, normally you 
you know, first of all, the booking process, which I know you didn't ask about, I think is super important to make sure that the guest has a really, 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 really great experience. So when the show does come out, you know, they're going to do their part and wanting to help promote it because they had a good time on your show. You, you know, were efficient. You reminded them, you gave them links that were easy to find. And unfortunately, I feel like hosts right now kind of use guests as opposed to, you know, you're passionate about building trust and building relationships with our guests. So when I say, you know, share an email, with the guests that you had so that they can help promote it there's two pieces to that number one and again I know this isn't what you asked per se but I'm passionate about this number one you know I've have seen so many podcast hosts be like well you know I sent the email to my guest and they didn't promote it well it's our job as hosts to market our show it's our job to make our show grow not anyone else's so displacing that on anyone is is, is incorrect However, it is smart to send an email to your guests and just say, hey, I enjoyed having you on the show. I want to stay in touch. Here's the show and attached are a few little things that you can share like you've done. You do that with your show um, just to make it easy for them. I think with this, with business, with anything, we always have to think, how can we make everything as simple and as easy for the other person to share? I had someone DM me the other day and say, hey, will you share this thing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I don't mind sharing it, but can you send me the link and the thing you want me to share? No, I'm too busy. I'm I've sent this to 125 people. I don't have time to send that to you. And I'm like, you're asking me to share something, but I have to go find it. <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? And it's funny, but this is what people do. It's crazy. So when you, when you email your guests, I mean, be so grateful. Don't put expectation that they need to share it, but also to make it easy so that if they choose, if they choose to do that, that all the links, everything's right there. So that's one piece, obviously going to all of your social platforms, posting, posting it there and really recommend, um, I, I've seen a lot of, uh, interaction when I post quotes kind of at the forefront. So instead of being like, Hey, here's a, here's my latest episode. Nobody cares that you have a latest episode. They care about what is this going to benefit them? So at the very beginning, if you can put like top, you know, are you struggling selling right now with the coronavirus or, you know, um, have you been podcasting for so long and you're frustrated with your download numbers, something that's going to capture their attention off the bat or a really good quote from a guest lead with that and then go into the episode. So it makes it, you know, where people want to click. Um, I post everywhere and I don't just post once, but I also like in my project management, you know, we're, we're promoing one show, but we're also promoing an older show, especially when you get really into it and you have a backlog of episodes, there's some really good content, you know, 50, a hundred episodes back. So whether you have that scheduled out through places like, you know, um, uh, uh meet Edgar or you have a VA doing it or whatever, circulate your content so people can see it. Um, tagging, uh, oh, this is good. I know something. Um, I've noticed, uh, I started putting questions for my audience in my show. So I'll go into my Facebook group and I'll say, Hey, I'm interviewing so-and-so. Do you have any questions? And I'll get a list of questions from those people. Well, then I'll read those questions. I'll pick a couple and ask them in my show. And then guess what? When that show goes live, I can also send and tag the people who ask questions, um, saying, Hey, Johnny asked this fantastic question, Johnny, here it goes, you know, and he's excited. So he'll listen to it and he'll share it with his community as well. So, um, that, mm, that's good that, yeah. one. very, very good one. Yeah. Thinking about, and I learned this, my very first business was a, a photography business. And I, like I told you yesterday, I was, that's where I really fell in love with digital marketing because I realized 
where a lot of my other photographer friends who were a lot better at photography than I was, they were struggling getting clients and I was getting booked left and right. And it wasn't because of my images. It was because I realized that social media was the game and nobody was using it the way that they should have. And when you can involve as many people in your post without being spammy, I don't like it when people post stuff and just tag people just to get interaction. But think about this. I'm going to use photography as an example. If I took a picture of a family, I would be tagging the location that I took that photo. I would be tagging if the lady mentioned that she got her blouse at the local boutique down the road, I would tag that and say like, oh, this sweater came from blah, blah, blah. We talked about it. I would tag anything that actually mattered and <laughs> was relevant within it. And it blew up. People liked it. So if you translate that into all your other content, again, not in a spammy way, but in a way that makes sense that, hey, this person was involved in this aspect of it, or shout out to my editor. You know what I mean? Like any way that you can tag other people and loop them in, the better. I love how you emphasize that because I see so many people abusing the oh, tagging. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, and they just go through their whole friends list or every post they do. <laughs> they make sure that they tag 50 people. So I love how you emphasize that that it needs to be relevant. It needs to be something that makes sense for that particular post. I, I just, I absolutely love it. And I love well, this strategy where you yeah. ask your audience, hey, I'm gonna interview this person. What should I ask? And then tagging them. And, and of course, if their question was mentioned, they will send it to their friends and like, hey, dude, you know, I asked the question and here it was answered. Like you have to listen as well. Yeah. And that's, that's a, another, I, I struggle a little bit on LinkedIn, to be honest with you, because there's so much of that happening right now where people tag 30 people in their posts. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, you talked about trust and you, you have this Facebook group talking about building trust with people. People don't want to feel used. Okay. So when I talk about tagging people and getting them involved it's very clear when it makes sense and when it doesn't and you're just full and we don't use people in real life you shouldn't use them online so if you have to gut check yourself on that one i mean it's you'll get an immediately response whether it's you know slimy or not uh, but it is a good marketing tool when it makes sense and you use it appropriately absolutely absolutely that's really really an amazing advice and i love how you said you know uh, how you emphasize promoting because often like I do a lot of interviews where I'm interviewed and I see such differences between different hosts and how they approach what they do. And I mean, I think what we do at, at, in our podcast is really just, I'm learning from the ones who do it the way that feels good to me. And then I say, well, okay, what can we learn from this? How can we do something similar? Uh, of course, in our own way, but you know, oh, I really loved how they sent us an email with links and 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 photo and this and this. We should do that as well. So, um, but then you get this hosts who, like you said, it's 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 more like they are thinking that they will just use uh, whoever yep. they're interviewing. Either they want to sell you on something, so uh -huh. they really are just inviting their uh, target clients to their sales call and masking it as a as a podcast interview um, or yeah or they, they they will just not do anything and then they expect you that but um you know donny donny bovine um uh and um i'm sure you know him 
Um, I don't think I do. That name doesn't sound familiar. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So you, you have to meet Donnie. He's also very uh, good in podcasting industry. And one thing that he said that I really, uh, it really uh, it was intriguing was, so if I go on a lot of podcasts, my audience already is quite familiar with my story. So if every podcaster is just interviewing me for the story, and, and not much new, yep. uh, I, can't, I can't bring them my whole audience because nobody wants to hear my story 20 times. Yep. Um, so, uh, when, so his reference was how we all want, I don't know, Gary Vee and Tony Robbins and who knows who um, um, to get on our podcast thinking, oh, if I get that person... Yep. Yep. That will, you know, that yep. will shoot me over the moon. But unless I'm interviewing Gary with something completely new to his audience, uh, exactly, they they will not listen to another podcast with another same story from Gary. And it's really us podcasters, just like you said, we have to make sure that we grow our audience and not rely on our guests. If they share, cool. If some people come from them, cool. But that's not your main objective. Absolutely. You, you, that's preaching right there. Like you need to <laughs> talk about that more often. That's so good. Um, yeah. That's not mine. That, that's Donnie. I have to introduce yep. you to you two will, will have a lot of things to talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I, w- I was sure. Uh, because you know we are we are running in in so, so much of the same circles, so I was sure you know him. But yes, I'll make sure to make an introduction. You will love him. Uh, he's fun, loving, smiling, and so on. Uh, so so he has the the right energy. So you two will have a lot to talk about. Uh, oh, wait, that sounds awesome. Um. Okay. So now we've talked a little bit about the podcast and what that podcast has done for you. But let, let's go a little bit into the entrepreneurial journey or intrapreneurial journey, the way you called it. Um, and really, how, like you've been in business now for three years, you said, uh, on your own. Um, would you mind sharing a few of the ups and also a few of the downs of that experience? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the ups because it's shorter list than the downs, um, just to keep it real and not in like a negative way, but it's just the truth. You know, there's always an exchange. So we talked about, you know, uh, one, one of the things I was really, and just to be completely honest with you, looking at what I would have been making as a therapist full time, you know, I was able to supplement that within a few months, you know, building something online, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'd spent seven freaking years in school. And so that was a big draw to me too. I was like, I can actually make good money online, you know, and it's, it's definitely, um, you know, I'm not a multimillionaire by any means like you, like <laughs> you've built like some awesome stuff, but, um, it, the money, you know, the freedom to scale, like if you want to make more money, these turning dials, when you can figure out a really good system, that's the pro freedom. When my daughter is in school, we're in the coronavirus right now. Um, but when she's in school on Fridays, I leave and I can go have lunch with her. If she's sick, I can go pick her up. Um, we can go on vacation as long as they have the internet. You know what I mean? Like there's some money, time, freedom, expression, all that stuff. Those are all the pros. Okay. 
put that to the side. Here's all the crap. <laughs> this is what's really hard. Um, it is incredibly lonely, incredibly lonely. I told you that yesterday. I miss being around people so much. And I talk to people all day long. Like I'm on Zoom calls all day. I'm on coaching calls. I'm on the phone. I'm in group calls. But it's nothing like being in person with someone. And so that's a huge piece of my life right now that I feel like is missing. And I'm getting like antsy where I'm almost like I've even thought to myself, like, do I want to go get a job? Because not for any makes me want to cry thinking about it, but I just miss being around people. Like I entertain that thought sometimes. It's never going to happen. Um, but that, that's, that's a huge piece. Another down is when things don't Gosh, work. Heather, like, go ahead. Excuse me, but just a question. Have you, have you ever considered, I mean, not right now when we are in the lockdown, shutdown and so on, but um, after this is over and it will be over, um, have you ever considered maybe creating uh, a little, maybe local meetup. It doesn't have to be anything big, but you know, just a few people, sure. a few fellow entrepreneurs who hang up together. Sure, I, I do that. Like I, I go to, I go to meetups. Um, I go to Atlanta every week and take acting classes and I have podcasting meetups that I do once a month here in my city. I do stuff like that. Um, but I would love to be around people every single day. And so one of my okay. long-term goals is I really would love to, um, build a studio and actually have my own staff here and like be able to, um, just be around, I have coworkers, you know what I mean? Like, you know, their life and you're like, how's your kid? I mean, that type of relationship, that's something we don't talk a lot about in this space, but it's so, it's so real, especially for. Well, I would say, especially for extroverts, but I think introverts deal with it too, because sometimes intro I have a lot of friends who are introverts um, and they kind of slip sometimes into a little bit of a depression because they're by themselves a lot. And um, that's another topic, but it's a really interesting thing. Um, the mental health kind of journey for, for. I was going towards that. So we can, yep. we can totally nav navigate towards that. I, I was sure. like, like um, you know, because I know that, you know, um, you know a lot, you've dealt a lot, you've helped people with, you know, those things through your podcast and you've met a lot of people talking about that. So I was navigating towards that topic. Um, so yeah, feel free to just dive into the whole mental health and health and entrepreneurship. Um, so an interesting thought, that's just a thought. Um, I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Um, who struggled with depression, he made a really interesting point that he said he's made the observation that a lot of people who struggle with mental health issues are kind of migrating towards the digital, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, whatever the hell you want to call it, space, because they want to get out of their work environments and be, you know, alone. Like they're struggling with stuff and being at home in their private office is so much more appealing. So he's seeing a lot of people migrate towards that for any other reason than they just need to get out of the environments that they're in, which is interesting because like, again, I told you about the freedom piece. That's what everybody's drawn to, you know, the ability to make the kind of money they want to make, the ability to have the freedom they want to make. But the exchange of that is it also can play into and feed and not help those who are, sell, you know, isolate themselves, deal with depression, have anxiety. I've, you know, when I was a therapist or studying it, I, I, it was very hard for me to relate. And I think that's another thing that drew me out of the industry is I never really dealt with mental health issues. When I started this journey, I 
when I started making really leap, bigger leaps and bounds in my business and making bigger risks, dude, anxiety, like literal tangible, can't breathe anxiety issues where I would wake up in the middle of the night where I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep like massive anxiety. I never had it before. And I was like, Oh, this is what they were talking about. Whenever they, <laughs> you know, I had to experience it, you know? Um, but Again, it's a yin yang thing. There's no right or wrong with it. It's just something for us to be very, very aware of. And even if you personally don't deal with it, be hyper aware that your other friends who are in this space, like there might be something going on there. And uh, community is so important. Getting outside, I'm a big advocate of getting out in the sun and getting, you know, in the dirt and the grass. And even if it's just 10, 15 minutes a day, taking your shoes off and going and just standing in the yard and walking around a little bit. I know it sounds silly and maybe a pivotal, but um, I mean, that's, those were the tactics that we were trained as therapists to work with our clients on is these very basic skills that we, that were, that aren't a part of our lives anymore, the more digital we become, um, are so important to keep our mental health intact. Um, are there any other, um, things that you would recommend, you know, if somebody maybe isn't so outdoorsy, running, sure, sure. walking, um, uh, I know that again, everything I'm going to mention is going to be like, Oh, come on. Like, give me something better. But this is like, there's science and research to back up what I'm saying. Drinking more water. <laughs> it, it, it's, it'll change your life. Stay hydrated. Your brain, your mind needs to be hydrated for it to function. And what we put into our bodies, we're holistic beings and it has a direct effect to our mental health. There have been so many studies looking at just shifting diet slightly, adding more water. Um, again, that, that movement is so important that people can actually self-heal. Their body can heal from some of these mental health issues just by taking care, taking better care of the, the, the cage it's in, this body, you know, um, that, that's important. Uh, getting away from your screen and journaling and writing, giving your eyes a break also to the stimulus with your brain because, and I'm really curious about this, you know, we're early enough in the game that we haven't really gotten the data and the research to see how um, this is affecting us, this digital life is affecting us. We're the first generation to really go through it as a normal part of our day-to-day -day lives. You know, our, it wasn't a part of our parents' lives. So we're kind of the guinea pigs. And I'm really curious to see in 20 years looking at our brains and the way, you know, how, how has it affected us? So getting away from your screens, reading a book, writing on a pad. I know everybody likes to type. Uh, small things like that to just give your mind a break is huge. Uh, breathing practices. Um, since I deal with anxiety and stuff, I've noticed that I hold my breath a lot. Um, you probably even hear me on here. Like I'll just like deep breathe because I, I'm, I, I'm not breathing properly. We have to train ourselves to take deep breaths in, to be rhythmic with it. There's a lot of good YouTube videos, uh, breathing practices and techniques, and it's not fun. It's a lot of work, but that kind of stuff, I mean, again, as trivial as it sounds, that stuff is directly linked to our mental health and important for us to be practicing. Amazing. I mean, amazing advice. Yeah. Um, I don't know who, but somebody a few episodes ago told me that we should be breathing more from the stomach. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that, yeah. That's one very important thing. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. Hard. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, trying to be as mindful as possible. And, and I, I actually entered reminders into my iPhone. Um, you know, and even if, you know, just 
for a few minutes I'm mindful and then I switch back, but I guess it's better than not doing it at all. So like every half an hour, I have that reminder, it resets me. And for a few minutes, I'm super mindful about how I'm breathing and that I'm breathing as much as possible through the stomach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an awareness thing that's so, so hard. I mean, which, you know, there's another tip right there is practicing, you know, mindfulness. I mean, the things that I'm saying right now, they're simple, but literally this is what therapy is. Therapy is sitting and helping people just really become more aware and in tune of their own bodies and um, paying attention to what's happening and not just rolling over it. And, you know, we live these, these lives right now where, you know, I was telling my husband last night and said, I feel like there's this other world that's the digital world and we go into it and when we come out of it, we kind of don't know how to function outside of it. It's kind of like, Oh, you know, it's like, we just like headlights, you know, um, at least for me, cause I spend my entire time online. Um, so again, it's interesting. We're the first little Guinea pigs to go through it, but yeah. Um, Heather, are you familiar with a Ted talk and it's by a man called Pico Iver. I hope I'm pronouncing the name uh, no. correctly. And he's talking about the art of stillness. And he's a travel journalist. So traveling is, is how he makes a living. Um, and, and then he says, I mean, amongst other things, it's a really powerful TED talk. Um, and everybody who's listening right now, I, I greatly recommend you to um to go and check that out uh just on okay. youtube ted talk the art of stillness or something like that and you'll probably find it he's a an L older 50 ish 60 ish um he he's from indian descent but i think he was born and raised in the u.s um and uh the funny thing is he says that the best travels he ever did was when he didn't travel at all when he was staying still and he wow. has this practice of going to this monastery like I think like every season for a few days to just disconnect and, wow. and, and connect with, with, with himself really really powerful powerful TED talk at least I mean very inspiring to me I love that guy and I often watch it whenever I feel I need it um, and, and then I I'm even more mindful to practice those things, uh, the art of stillness, the disconnect. And one of the things he says in his talk um, is that most of the people from Silicon Valley who created all these devices and, and social media networks and so on are the ones who are most mindful about taking sabbatical from those devices from those social media networks so it's very healthy i mean yes it's good to use them but it's also very healthy to learn how to disconnect how to put your phone on silent and, and not look at it for an hour or you know i do this every day every day when i go out for a walk with my dogs and i have four crazy playful dogs so there's no way for me to hold you know or four dogs and, 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 you know, take out my phone from a pocket. So I just leave it at home. So th that's my like mindfulness, super focused time because my eyes need to be like ping pong balls, you know, looking around uh, cars, this, that, like, you know, where we are walking, where we are going, but um, yeah, just l leaving everything behind and really being present just in that moment. Mm, I love that. I, I need to watch that Ted talk. I think I would, yeah, I think he did like two or three 
So, you know, once you find the first one, I think the first one is the art of stillness. And, and then he has like two or three more, but then by that time you already know the exact spelling of his name and surname. The name is Pico, uh, but then I, I think it's Ivor. You know, English is only my third language. And then, you know, with the spelling and some pronunciations, right. I, I have a little bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, amazing advice, what you said, like all those ideas that you gave, very, very amazing, very important, especially for these times where we have to keep the calm and, and we need to be grounded and we must not give in to the fear and the panic and, and so on, but we still have to be informed. And so, yeah, very powerful message there, Heather. Um, Heather, one more thing that I would love to touch upon before, uh, before I say goodbye to you, and that's masterminds. I know that you're a big advocate for masterminds, and I would love for you to tell us a little bit, you know, what's your perspective, how you are using them, um, just a little bit of introduction to mastermind. Sure. So, you know... <laughs> I don't think knowledge is really the issue. In fact, uh, Brian sits, you know, at the desk down for me and he found the other day, he's like, do you know that you could take college courses online for free? You won't get a certification for it, but there's some, I don't remember the platform's name, but you can literally- ITS University used yes. to have that, uh, uh, like from all the major colleges like Harvard yes. and so on, like you have like whole years of curriculum there yes yes it's it's mind-blowing and even without that youtube google i mean with the exception of a licensure you can learn anything and be proficient in just about anything with enough dedication and grit and being a good student and really you know put in the work now what's the problem here we have all of this knowledge at our fingertips but everybody's still like how do i start a podcast how do i start a business how do i do this how do i do that and really 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 struggling and they think it's this external thing when really all of the knowledge is at their fingertips i mean we are at no other time in history have we had more access to more information and yet people's really struggling, really struggling with taking action. And I really believe, I believe that there is a human element that's missing that we need to just hear that what we're dealing with is normal, um, that this is hard, that this is scary and having other people kind of do it with us, like this tribal uh, piece I think is missing. So masterminds is an opportunity to come together and not only learn from one another, but also to provide that accountability and that um, tribal effort to get crap done because when you know Johnny is going to ask you next Tuesday how it went selling your that thing <laughs> and you didn't put any effort you have to like own up to that you know doing especially you know we've been talking about solopreneurship you know for this call there is no person there to answer to except yourself now granted I will say that I think the best accountability partner in the world is yourself because when you can't rely on other people you have to have enough um, uh, courage to and love for yourself to be able to hold yourself accountable but especially getting started having a mastermind group having an accountability group people who are invested into it and really have um, you know have have the 
have their, I don't know the right word. Dirt in the game. You know what I mean? Like that's that's going to take your productivity. It's going to take your action to the next level. And it doesn't have to be fancy y'all. The first mastermind group I ever held was at a Starbucks coffee shop. I've held them in my living room. I've held them over zoom. Um, They're powerful and they'll change your life. Absolutely. Uh, You know how I call this new age that we are living in right now? I call it the age of infobesity. And the problem is that nobody taught us how to be the editor of all that content. And I think that's, you know, a big problem because any search term that you try, you know, how to start a business, go to YouTube and type that in you'll get so many uh, of um, those results. And then everybody is, of course, even if they're talking about a similar thing, they're most likely still using their own unique wording, vocabulary, how they describe it, and so on. And then we are, especially if you are very new, if you don't have that background where you can filter through that and say, oh, this is bullshit. this might work. I'll try this. But when you're very new, you really don't need, you know, a coach or something. You more nope. need like a teacher, somebody nope. who will just take you by your hand and like kind of like guide you a little bit through that whole whole thing uh, and, and tell you what your one next step should be. I see that with my students, like in the beginning, you know, I thought I'm giving them amazing value when in just two hours i would tell them all the things that they need to know to go from zero to seven figures because you know it's not that hard but it just overwhelmed them because it was like you know 15 next steps and then i learned if i really want to give them the right value i need to calm down and i need to realize that they don't have the experience of the past 23 years like i have it and the best way for me to give them value is to calm them down and, and shorten those coaching sessions, shorten all of that, and really just focus that at the end of the call, they know exactly what the one next step they have to do. Yep. Yep. That's hard because we want to go in and we want to save people. We want to be the hero. Um, and also, too, you know, as coaches and consultants and leaders, we, you know, we get a dopamine hit. We want to feel like we're making an impact in people's lives. So we think sharing all that knowledge is impacting them. And exactly what you said, I've seen the same thing. I've had people leave uh, one of my programs. I started last year. I was just giving, giving, giving it. And I had a girl message me. She said that she was exiting the program because it was too much. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid I was afraid I wasn't giving enough and people were so overwhelmed that they wouldn't weren't following through with it and exiting it because it was too much, which is mind blowing, mind blowing for like type A people. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Heather, um, my last question is always, what's the last golden nugget of wisdom that you would love to leave the audience with? Yes, I think you need to subscribe to the Fail Coach podcast if you have not yet. And if you have not, make sure that you leave an honest review and five stars. Putting out a podcast is a lot of work um, and it's a gift to this world. It's an investment. And so if you enjoyed this, make sure that you hit subscribe and leave five stars. That's it. Well, well, thank you. Uh, Heather, if people want to find you Uh, i mean and of course uh i'll include all the links uh in the show notes so 
if anybody uh, misses uh, what your the, the links or anything you'll say, they can just go down to, down to the show notes and click it to click all those links and they'll find you. But what's the best way to for people to find you? And who who is your that who is the most ideal client of yours? Who do you love serving and who you can help the best with your services? Sure. I work primarily with business owners who have an established service-based business. So therapists, coaches, consultants, and they work a lot uh, either in person or they're kind of weary of the digital space, but they know it's a powerful platform, but just haven't figured out all the tools and the ways to leverage what they've already built um, and scale it online. Um, I help them with that piece and really simplify it to make it seem like anybody can do it. I had a lady say, I'm not tech savvy. She had no email list, but she launched her first course and it did very well with it in just a couple of months. So you can too. Um, but, but that's why I love serving. The main thing is just getting your message out there. Even if you don't have a service and not have a business, I think if you have a story or something burning on your heart, get out and get it. I mean, write a freaking status, write a blog, start your podcast. It's not hard. There are people out there hearing from you and there's no reason why you're not out there sharing. Absolutely. I love it. Um, and you know, as long as you have an audience, you can always figure out a way to maybe monetize that at a later stage. But at yep. the end of the day, um, even more valuable than, than pure gold is an audience of people who trust you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Heather, thank you for being my guest. I really, I, I love you for everything that you do. I so much appreciate you for being my guest, giving the value and really just doing what you do, uh, doing it out there, um, teaching, helping, all of that. So thank, thank you, you for so being my guest and uh, I wish you all the best in your journey. Thank you. It was an honor for having, thank you so much.